Welcome to the Fairway Performance Podcast. My aim for this podcast is to have conversations and to record solo episodes like this one to help you improve your golf game, your fitness, and your health. And I'm your host, Sean Dykoff. Now, on today's episode, I am going to discuss three things that I've learnt this week, or not necessarily learnt all three of them, but I've just had uh, clients or conversations where I've just been reminded of these things, and I know how valuable all this information is and how much it can help other people. So I just wanted to share these things because they were just highlighted to me again this week. So uh, it'll be a fairly short episode, and the first thing that we're going to dive into is One thing that I chatted with a guest of this podcast with about exercises and Andy Galpin's going to be in next week's episode that that episode will drop then um, because I've just recorded the interview now and he uh, I just we just need a little bit of lead time to obviously prepare the episode and get it uploaded and whatnot. So the thing that we talked about is the fact that no exercises are off limits So what he says or what he was talking about in this episode around this was, and what I've known for a long time, is that every exercise that is, you know, known to mankind is has a place and there'll be a context, a reason, a circumstance where it is required or it will be very helpful for certain individuals. And this isn't always the case in different training programs. For example, training for marathons is probably not going to help us as golfers because it's training a completely different energy system we're not training for speed and power we're training for endurance and it's not going to have very much carryover to the golf course so the exercises that they do are not necessarily helpful for golfers or the the training programs that they follow are not necessarily helpful for golfers but they are still good exercises because it's obviously going to help the marathoner run a better race and, and become a better athlete in their chosen sport so the other way that this com- can come about is people see certain exercises or you know lifting heavy weights or doing deadlifts or doing squats and say well that exercise isn't good for golf or that like golfers shouldn't be doing that exercise and the reason that happens is because maybe someone hurts themselves or they perceive a risk of injury being too high in doing that exercise but what Andy talks about is there's no such thing as a bad exercise. There's just bad implementation of the exercise. And I just want you to remember that because any exercise will serve a purpose and is you know, designed or someone's come up with a name for it after they've done it and seen some good results with it. And that doesn't mean it's a bad exercise per se. It just means that your execution, if you've hurt yourself doing something like this, might not be the best. And uh, your implementation of that exercise isn't the best. So some ways that I see people come unstuck with it is they either lift too heavy, which is obvious what's going to happen there, they lift too fast, so they perform the movement dynamically without having performed it at a slow, controlled pace and built some like really good movement patterns or technique around it, or they do it too often. So they really enjoy the exercise, but they just literally do it every single day. And if you do bicep curls every single day, there's probably going to be some carryover issue that is derived from doing that and we might see it show up in you know various different ways across the body or just at the site of the muscle that we're training or the thing that we're training and we become injured there or too sore to do something else you know and and retrain that body part or, or muscle so 
too heavy, too fast, and too often. They're the, they're the main reasons that we see people come unstuck with uh, an exercise, which they will then deem you know, to be off limits for them. The other thing I'll say on that is you shouldn't ever, and I say this, you shouldn't ever, but we don't want to look at exercises as never being or never doing them. It's just that exercise might not be good for you at this point in your life or your training journey because of the complexities um, or the speed with which you need to do it to get a good result from it. But it doesn't mean that you can't start practicing it and learning the skill of doing it and then over time starting to lift heavier and faster and whatever else is required to get a good result from that exercise. So look at it as a long journey and a long process to getting better at that thing and picture it as a skill because if you were to look at a golf swing like Tiger's and then pick up a club and swing yourself and look at the vast difference between what you look like and what he looks like, most people would never take up the sport because they, you know, they're just so far from the the end that they, you know, just don't even fathom that they could get there. So um, think of exercise in the same way. Like just because something seems so out of reach, there's no reason why you can't start now and try and get better with it and, and build up your tolerance and ability and skill over time to be able to do that thing. Um, I think that's enough on, on that one. The next one is uh, I was dealing with a client and, and doing a screening with a client during the week who suffers a, a bit of back pain. And this guy, uh, he thought that the, the main cause of it was a, a weak back. And essentially in doing a screening and it was great he came in we did a screening in person and he also thought his mobility was shot and he was just you know rubbish all over but after doing a screening we found a couple of little issues that he had and one of them was not a week back or week anything to be honest because he passed all the strength tests and and mobility tests he passed most of them like probably 80 to 90% of them he was green in, and then there was only a few that he was yellow in, which is just me being really strict with a couple of the tests, um, with a, a traffic light system of green good, uh, amber uh, not so good, and then red, or yeah, yellow I should say, um, is not so good, and then red is like really bad, like you, you definitely need some work there. So um, the lack of a lack of rotation is what was causing his back pain. And the reason that we were seeing this was because he wasn't able to rotate fully through his pelvis and lower body and also his thoracic. He had a little bit of limited rotation in his thoracic. He could reach 45 degrees, but because he had limited rotation in the lower body and not exceeding the demands of the golf swing in the upper body, he found that he was starting to lose posture and when he was losing posture, that was putting a shearing force or, or like a rotation through his lumbar spine or trying to get his lumbar spine, spine to rotate, which was then causing it to jack up after, you know, eight, nine, ten holes. And the last sort of uh, back nine was, was causing him a lot of trouble, like, you know, could hardly walk, was having a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort and seeing a lot of issues. And the... The reason I want to bring this up is because just because his back was sore, it doesn't mean that his back is weak. Like there might be some circumstances where this is the case, like the site of the soreness is generally the site of the injury. And 
I'm not saying that that will never be the case because in some in some situations it can be, particularly with acute injuries, like if we were to get tackled in the side of the knee or if we were to tear a hamstring or something like that, obviously we're going to feel the pain at the site of the, the injury. But in something like a, a back injury, it could be caused by so many different moving parts in a golf swing. And what we found with this uh, guy was... The fact that his lower body wasn't rotating fully, his upper body lacked a bit of rotation. It was causing him to have one of the big 12 swing characteristics, which is a loss of posture, which puts a lot of pressure on the lower back and and tries to get the lumbar spine to rotate because the thoracic can't fully rotate. And the lumbar spine should not be rotated. It should have very minimal flexion and extension, uh, but it should definitely not be asked to rotate, which is what his was getting asked to do. And because of that lack of rotation his back was taking the load and then that was the site of the soreness and the injury so in time we're hoping to address these mobility restrictions and and rotation restrictions that he has and then from there we can obviously get him moving better and then hopefully taking a little bit of the pressure off the low back and starting to reduce and even completely remove the back pain from that lower back Uh, that's all i'll say on that one Um, So that was a loss of posture, causing back pain, not always the side of the injury. Uh, The third third lesson I learned, and this is actually something that is quite new, and it's a a thing that I learned from Adam Young, or Adam Young Golf. He's a golf coach out of uh, Vegas. He's an English guy, but he lives over in the US in Vegas, and he's a very, very knowledgeable guy and very systemized and structured in the way that he approaches lots of stuff. And the thing that I'm going to share with you is one of the systems or structures that he shared with me on the episode and this one will come out in a couple of weeks time so Andy Galpin will come out first and then Adam Young will come out the week after so if you want to know more about this particular thing that I'm talking about now you'll be able to listen in further detail when Adam talks about it but just to quickly break it down for you he says that any bad swing that we make or any swing that we make on course where the ball doesn't go where we want it to, it'll generally be caused by a few different things. And they all come down to like how we make contact with the ball or how we hit the golf ball. And number one is our ground contact. And what he means by that is where we hit the ground in relation to the ball. Are we hitting it? Are we hitting the ball too thin? Are we hitting the ball too fat? They're two of the main things. So Obviously, we know what's going to happen if we hit the ball thin, and obviously, we know that the ball's going to travel further and, and probably go a bit longer, so it's not not as bad a miss, in, in my opinion. Like, we're still, you know, getting the ball to the target or maybe just past, and that could be good or bad depending, you know, where you're hitting the ball to, if, if there's trouble um, before or after the hole. And the second one, hitting it fat, just means we're never, ever going to get the ball anywhere near the hole because we're hitting behind the ball and essentially we're hitting our divot into the golf ball and the the divot's just throwing our golf ball forward. So we're going to see a very, very reduced distance and and also control of the ball because we might not even be hitting the ball. The grass might be hitting the ball in between the club and the golf ball. So there could be a whole host of different problems that arise from that. And... So that's the first one is ground contact. So if you have a bad swing, ground contact could be the the cause of of that happening. The next one is face contact. So where the golf ball actually hits the face of the golf club. Is it hitting in the heel of the club, the sweet spot, or is it hitting in the toe of the golf club? And can you feel the difference between when it hits in each of those areas? And do you know the difference in your ball flight or 
uh, distance travelled or whatever will occur because of it hitting in different spots on the golf club. And can you control and fix if you're hitting it in a certain area? So if you're hitting it in the toe all the time and you've done it for four, five, six holes in a row, do you have the skill to then be able to bring it from the toe to, to making it feel like more of a heel shot but just bringing the ball back to the centre? And he, Adam Young offers a, a few little tips and tricks that he gets clients to work with uh, in terms of um, you know practice with getting them to hit some on the toe, some on the heel, some in the center. And he says that he even has clients that work on their sort of PGA Tour level players and even he himself uh, so under control and so well practiced with this uh, changing between heel and toe and dead center, like sweet spot of the club that they're actually able to work in five millimeter increments across the club face. So they can strike it on the heel, then five millimeters closer to the center, they can strike it there, then they can go five millimeters extra and then strike it there until they reach the sweet spot, however many millimeters that is on your golf club. And then they can obviously work in that five millimeter increment all the way out to the toe until they're toe striking the ball as well. So that's how good someone can get at controlling where the ball actually hits on their club face and how consistent their contact is going to be. So if you make a bad swing, it could either be the ground contact or secondly, we just mentioned the face contact. So where on the face is the ball hitting? Because hitting certain areas is going to cause different spin or different launch angles or all different things. So uh, get to know where that face contact is of the, the golf ball. And the last one is a directional error. So this can be, and Adam will, will go right into the details of this one, but essentially is the face open? Is it closed? What angle are we launching at? Uh, he uses a, uh, this is more for the finish, like where did the golf ball finish? Um, but if he's got a target picked out in the distance, he has a little two finger method. So he'll hold two fingers up in front of him like they would do for a, um, uh, what do they call that system? The aim point system, uh, where they'll hold that up and you know, see how many fingers to the right or fingers to the left, if they're holding up one, two or three fingers, how much of a miss it is. But he'll pick up on that, like which direction or, or like where was my directional error? And do I know how to change my ball flight or start line in order to bring that back to exactly where I wanted to hit it? So, um, the directional error is uh, obviously he's also got some drills and, and things that you can work on and skill work that you can do to fix this one and get better with this one. But essentially, I just wanted to share with you, if if you make a poor swing or something feels slightly off, then what's going to happen as a result of that is one of these things. And then if we know that one of these three things is happening, that can lead us back up the chain to reach certain checkpoints in our swing, like maybe a certain takeaway. So maybe we know that if we um, are making poor contact with the ball, so we're hitting it a little bit fat, it means that the ball is maybe too far forward in our stance for a wedge. And our low point of our swing is actually hitting uh, just underneath the ball instead of hitting the, the ball first or the ground first with an attack angle down and the low point of our swing being just in front of the golf ball by whatever amount that is or whatever distance that is. So um, that can, like obviously that's a way that we can diagnose back and, and look back to see what's causing it. Um, the face contact, if we hit the ball out of the toe, then generally, if you're a right-hander, hit it out of the toe, 
then it's generally going to start out a little bit to your right and then it's going to have a bit of a draw spin on it and determined uh, determined by how hard you hit it and what sort of club you're hitting and, and the spin loft and all that sort of stuff on the club but it, that's going to determine how far you miss it left and how much spin is, is going to be on the ball and turning it from right to left and missing your target. So if you know that you're starting to hit that shot, then if you've got the skill to be able to work your way back from hitting it on the toe to hitting it in the center, you've got a way to diagnose and fix that problem or issue while you're on course so you don't have to wait until you go back to the range the next week to fix it up and you know just persist for the rest of your round hitting bad shots the whole time. So... It, um, the thing I really love about this, about bringing the focus back to, you know, a poor swing causing, you know, one of these three things is if we know what they are, it, we've got some tools from our golf coach potentially, or you might listen to Adam and and learn some from him and it empowers us to then start making changes on the course and actually fixing it there and then rather than having to wait until you know like i said just a second ago we're back on the range and and working with our golf coach again so that just allows you to troubleshoot that and diagnose that so much faster and it's getting to the old uh, deliberate practice type setup so we've got a clear stretch goal we're trying to hit at a target we've got uh immediate informative feedback did we miss it left right um, using our finger method um, or did we hit it too fat too thin um, or did we you know uh, did we make poor face contact like on the toe or the heel uh, once we've got the the um, data from each of those and the answers to each of those questions we can then start going cool well it was poor contact and that means my low point was off which means if I move the ball a little further back in my stance my low point will be further or more towards the ball and I'll hit the ball better and xyz will fall into place and it'll be much better and then we can start doing that each and every shot and and really make a difference while we're playing so uh, that's all I wanted to share this week on this episode guys um just back to point two really quickly because uh, I've had a couple of the app users ask me a, a question similar to this and a lot of people aren't able to book in screenings just because they're overseas or you know the time zones don't match up. But a lot of people have asked for how they can go about doing a screening or, or doing a screening for themselves. And what I've actually got within the Fairway Performance Training app, if you've looked inside there, is some self-assessment guides where I actually step you through some of the uh, assessments that I use for TPI screening to see whether your hips are mobile uh, enough, whether your thoracic is mobile enough, whether you have enough leg strength and glute strength by doing a a glute bridge test, um, shoulder external rotation, especially for the trail arm for for a lefty or a righty, it's either right or left arm, and a whole host of other tests in there and golf-specific ones like separating the upper and the lower body from each other when we're doing movement. So if you want to learn more about that stuff and see if you can find some faults or find some restrictions in your body which are causing these other problems, then that is your best start point. So you can click on the link in my profile or go to fairwayperformance.com and go to the app and sign up for a free seven-day trial and get access to it and go through those movement screenings or that mobility self-assessment to really find out where you need to focus your time because I feel you'll save so much time in the gym instead of faffing about just doing everything. You'll be able to just really focus in and hone in on the things that you need to work on to make your golf game better and for you to play injury free. So um, that's all I'm going to say on this uh, episode and the only little pitch I'm going to make for the for the Fairway Performance Training app. But 
Um, I hope to see you guys jump on there. I hope you got some value from this episode and me sharing these few things that I picked up this week and um, you know just got reminded of uh, really you know helps you guys and, and just imparts a little bit of knowledge. So I'm always after feedback. If you guys have any feedback, if you have any guest suggestions, if you have any topics you'd like me to discuss uh, by myself or either with a guest or, or you yourself want to jump on the podcast to share your knowledge or expertise, you can email me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at fairweightperformance.com, and I'd love to hear from you, or even message me on Instagram. It's at Sean, S-H-A-U-N, full stop, Diakoff, D-I-A-C-H-K-O-F for Fred. And you can message me on there and yeah, we'll start a chat and, and work out what I can do um, either self-recorded or, or getting you or a guest on and, and um, answer some questions. So thanks so much for tuning in, guys. I'll see you next week or I'll share Andy Galpin's episode next week. And until then, enjoy your time on the course.